What's up, what's up, what's up? What's going on, everybody? It's Aaron Cox, host of the Casting Guy podcast. Um, this has really been a long time coming. I'm excited to be bringing this to you guys today. This is the very first episode, uh, May 26, 2021. Probably 20 years too late <laughs> to the to the party (laughs) nonetheless we are here and i'm so happy and privileged that you guys are here tuning in to the broadcast to the to the podcast rather um on this podcast we're going to talk a lot about casting tips um industry uh, etiquette um people in industry how to relate to people. Hopefully I'll, I'll give some good advice on these subjects as well as some good life advice. Things that you can take with you in, uh, in life in general. That's my hope. That's my hope, my plan. I'm sticking to it. That's the plan for now. Okay, so let me talk to you a little bit about who I am and where I come from. Um, I'm from Detroit originally. I was born in Detroit. Um, my parents we ended up moving to Arizona I've stayed there for a year two maybe moved to North Carolina and then came back up to Michigan and settled in this the town <laughs> city of Ypsilanti right there we we lived right on the border of Ypsilanti Ann Arbor my father taught at University of Michigan I went to Ypsilanti High School and um, really just like I grew up in a very conservative home. My, my father ended up being a pastor as well, founding a church. And so that was a very, very big part of my development in my life as a teenager. Um, I'd say he started doing that around 13, 14. So um, my grandfather... My, my father's father, he actually was a executive with Motown in Detroit. Um, he managed the likes of Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, the Four Tops, um, Martha and the Vandellas, um, and many, many more. Um, so that was probably my first taste of the excitement of the industry. I would go over to my grandfather's house and he had a media room (laughs) he must have had four or five televisions and like five or six vcrs in this room that was all of you know 10 by 15 probably had a thousand videotapes beta cassettes vhs uh all over the room and Pretty much that was the room we were assigned to. We went to my grandfather's house, <laughs> Pops. Uh, you know, the kids had to go in the, in, the, in the media room and just find something to watch, which wasn't too hard to do without all his screens. He, he had the, the original picture-in-picture picture before there was picture-in-picture. Picture. <laughs> but he had all these movies, everything sitting around. And... Um, you know, you, you always had something you could watch. So I, he loved movies and entertainment, music. Um, so that he was probably my f- first taste of 
the industry. You know, hearing old stories about him, seeing pictures of him with Diana Ross, um, Stevie Wonder, um, just so many of the legends of Motown. We have, we still have those pictures up in our house now, framed. You know, pictures that they have at the the um, Motown Museum, I'm sure. But outside of him. My family was largely very religious and very anti-media. You know, there was there was no really encouragement to pursue a career in entertainment. In fact, it was kind of it was really frowned upon. You know, um, this is we're talking the '80s here, so uh, I just uh, kind of came up with this path on my own and I didn't know how to do what I thought I wanted to do but I just felt like I wanted to do it and I was gonna get it done so um, I went to Michigan State University and at first I went in there as a computer engineer For the first three years I was an engineer major and one day I just like got bored I, I was like I mean I can't I can't sit here and program another algorithm <laughs> or whatever I was doing it, it was you know where whether a period or a comma you know it was just I, I don't know I just felt like I that wasn't for me for the rest of my career I stood up in one of my my main classes and I walked out not knowing what in the world I would do, but I never went back. I never, I never looked back at computer engineering. In retrospect, I wish I'd got the engineering degree because you can make good money, and then you can go on and buy cameras and learn about all that stuff after the fact. But nonetheless, I eventually went to a career counselor at the school and took a test, and it told me that I would be good as a, um, a production assistant, I think, or a producer or something like that. And that really, like, excited me. I was like, what? I have a natural um, capacity, I guess, for that kind of work. So um, that was really super exciting because growing up, if someone asked me what I wanted to be, it was one of three things. Number one, by far, NBA basketball player. I thought I was the second coming of Isaiah Thomas. I mean, <laughs> oh, man, I spent a lot of time practicing playing basketball. But uh, I ended up cutting one of my fingers in a lawnmower um, accident. And just ended up getting a dumb job, fast food, and then just blew all that years and training and preparation away, essentially. Um, but besides that, the other two things were, I thought I wanted to be a psychiatrist, maybe prescribe people medicine for mental disorders. And if not that... I used to say, 
I'd like to be a person that picks people to be in movies. I didn't know what that was called. You know, I find out later what that was. After I graduated from Michigan State, um, I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, you know, I took an internship at the local TV station in East Lansing. I think I did one or two internships. I did, yeah, I did. I did one, two internships there with them over, you know, two years. But even though they had me back as an intern more than once, they never, they didn't hire me to stick around. So uh, I applied, you know, I sent my resume to Fox and Flint, and I, I think that's where it was. They actually were the one network to get back to me. All the other Detroit affiliates, I didn't hear a peep from. So um, I didn't really know what I was going to do for work. But somehow I stumbled on a acting conservatory in New York, a two-year two program. And I thought, well, you know, I'm only young once. Let me take a shot in New York, you know, at this acting thing. So I convinced my parents it was a good idea for me to leave the nest and move to the Big Apple uh, to pursue an acting degree and potentially acting commercials and uh, TV shows and everything else. So that was what I thought I had an interest in. After graduating with a, you know, basically a media arts degree, I got accepted in the program. Even I got accepted in an accelerated program. I actually graduated in a year and a half, but in the process, I realized that acting really wasn't for me. While I was at the studio, there was a casting studio in the same facility. They actually owned both facilities, and. They were in pretty desperate need for help one day. It seemed like one of their techs, one of their camera guys, didn't show up for work. And so it was like a frantic, does anybody in this building know how to run a camera? You know? And I was like, yeah, I do. You know? So um, my four years of undergrad paid off. You know? I got, I got hired right there to run a casting session for, um, I forget the company, but they were casting babies. And ca casting babies is super easy. All they have to do is crawl around on the ground and look cute. You know, so my first day of casting, I didn't have to do any type of directing. You know, it was just babies come in and Aaron roll tape, you know. Um... So I got to learn the process of logistically, okay, we, we need the size card, we need that filled out, give me that information, this uh, has to go in order, and then I have to, at the time we were using three quarter inch tape decks and, uh, and VHS decks as well. So it was like, you know, hit record here, then here, and then here, and that's it. You know, other than that, you just move the camera to keep the baby in the, on the, on screen. You know, so uh, we did that for about two minutes each baby, and um, 
after the first day, the casting director said, hey, can you work the other two days on this job? Well, why not? So, that was my first foray into casting by virtually freak accident and pretty much freelanced in casting off and on for the next 20 years. Um, it's a freelance profession that y y it was my bread and butter, you know. Um, I never, I don't think I ever booked any commercials or anything. Really, when I studied as an actor, I realized that, you know, it made me a better director, you know, because now I knew the process actors were going through. Um, and I, the school I was at, the conservatory, was a Meisner-based, Sanford Meisner-based uh, school. So, you know, it gave me a lot of practice. It was a unique experience, you know. I was going to school there. I was working at the casting studio that was there. Um, I also liked writing. Um, I thought I was a pretty good writer. I kind of, I really sucked, to be honest. <laughs> My first 12, 13, 14, 15 scripts were just awful, you know, but I don't know. Right around script number 15, I had the gall to send it to an agent in, L in California, and um, he started representing me. He was like, this is good, you know. Uh, so I wrote two or three scripts while I was with this particular agent. And the last script, you know, I had done all types of stuff. I had set up readings. I had executives from HBO come to the readings. Um, I had a friend of mine who was really connected in the acting world. He actually had... Uh, Adrian Brody come to one of the readings. This was bef before Adrian won the Oscar. Right before. And so he came. That was that was cool. I was working on becoming a writer too. And writing material that I thought I might direct someday. So we submitted a teleplay to, I think it was Slam Dance film festival yeah and we went out there the script was very well received and executive at Fox optioned the script you know so I had been at this point I had been in New York for four years and um, I thought to myself okay well I love New York but if I don't go to L.A. now, when, you know, one of my scripts is, is optioned, when will I go to L.A.? You know, I wanted to experience L.A. at a certain point of time in my life. So I, I went out and moved. I moved, made the pilgrimage out west. Very difficult first two years. Fox decided not to go forward with my script. And so we eventually got all the rights back. So that was kind of a big 
valley <laughs> of depression, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I didn't know what to do. You know, I was living with family, and I had to f get going with something. I was trying to claw my way back into casting, but it was very L.A. is, you know, a place that's run by nepotism. You know, so it was very hard to break back into casting in L.A., especially when you're, the opening line is pretty much, okay, we have you, you know, they're asking you, hey, have you done any casting before? I mean, are you familiar with this? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did this in New York. Oh, well, that's, that's not L.A. You know, it, it, you know, it became this whole, like, oh, I'm this New Yorker here in L.A. trying to get into casting. And it was a bit of that kind of... I guess, friendly competition going on. Uh, but it was essentially keeping me out of the business. <laughs> so, I mean, I struggled the first two years. It, it was it was awful. Living living with my aunt and uncle um, in L.A., uh, they were kind enough to let me move in um, when I was at a real low point. And you know, I'd pretty much given up all my career equity in New York to come to LA and I found myself like trying to think what I can't remember exactly what happened first oh yeah yeah I, I saw in a newspaper ad about learn how to work with money it was all about mortgage industry so I tried I tried to do mortgages it was kind of at the end it was right before the the crash in 08 so I got into mortgages for two years, from about 2006 to about 2008. I was doing mortgages. I was trying to get casting jobs, get my name out there in the casting world. I didn't have a car, which is a necessity in L.A. to do pretty much anything. Um, I mean, you can get around on the bus, but that's not how you want to be going to casting jobs or going to auditions on a long-term scale. I got this 9 to 5, more like 8 to 8, because, no, wait. Yeah, because they wanted to call people on the East Coast in the morning, and then they wanted uh, us to be there late enough to call people getting home from work on the west coast so it was really like just long hours commission only it's a tough business because you know people are always trained they're always hearing like you know save m money on points when you're refinancing or whatever and like that's the only place that these people can make any money you know i can't just sit around and do refinances for free i gotta I, I need, I need, I want to hook you up, but, you know, I need to make money somewhere, and you got these companies out here that talk, try to market and act like they're not charging any points, nobody's making any money. Anyways, I don't want to get derailed on that, but it's a very competitive uh, hustle, working mortgages, um, so I wasn't always successful. I wasn't closing a loan every day. I wasn't making enough money. Um, so a friend of mine 
he he had like the contracts to um, various like locations, restaurants, bars, not really bars, like sports bars and stuff, clubs kind of thing, where like, you know, it was basically, it was a bath, bathroom attendant, the guy that, that gives you paper towel, sells you cigarettes, um, at that time anyway, uh, spritzes of cologne, that kind of stuff, you know. And he offered that to me as, you know, sure money every Thursday night. His accounts were Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. And he offered me one night a week, Thursday nights. And um, I took it, you know. Uh, I would go out there. It was, you know, it was a very pride-swallowing experience, to say the least. I mean... I had a college degree. I had two more years at an acting conservatory. And here I am in what I thought was the prime of my life when I was about 27, 28. And I'm thinking, man, I'm up here. I'm a bathroom attendant with a college degree. And I just had a script optioned just not that long ago. How does this happen? <laughs> Many nights staring in the, the mirror in that bathroom. Like, what am I doing? Passing these guys paper towel. You know, spraying cologne on them. What am I, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? You know, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't make sense of it. And, um, but it was humbling. It was humbling, and it was it was it was good for me too because I I uh, I hadn't I, in serving people like that. I think that it 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 is is helped with how I deal with people moving forward because I'm that guy that like when I go into a building when I work at office in an office in a certain building, I'm that guy that makes friends with everybody. I might be best friends with the janitors. Um, that's just who I am. You know, no, I'm not too good to speak to anybody. You know what I mean? I, 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 and I love that about me. You know, some people don't understand it. Some people, why is he so nice to everybody? Why does he talk to whoever he's, I'm talking to? You know, I got friends. I'm friendships with like, excuse me, I'm friends with like the super of my building or the, you know, the custodians. I'm hanging out. In, in in the in the uh, the junk rooms and the equipment closets with people, you know, I don't mind that one bit. Yeah, it was a it was a good experience for me. In a way, it was not what I came to LA for. I thought I was gonna be like rich, writing scripts, you know, playing beach volleyball every weekend. I had no idea. <sighs> what the next two years will look like. Uh, but at, at the bank job, I met a guy who, who was assigned to me. He was supposed to open leads for me, and I was supposed to close them. And he he was a pr pr comedy stand-up comedy producer. 
And so he had a few nights every month at the Hollywood Improv where he put on a uh, a um, a bringer show, I think is the expression, you know, where basically, like, he brings in, like, 12 different comics, and they all have the assignment of bringing in a certain amount, a quota of, of guests, ticket-paying guests, and if, you know, those comics aren't bringing in enough guests then, you know, they get dropped from the lineup eventually from from not bringing enough people. That's why it's a, a bringer show. So, anyways, the comics would want their sets taped so that they could, you know, study from their successes, study from their failures, you know. Learn a lot more from your failures, I'll tell you that. And um, so I would... He, 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 he told me about this and he said, hey, look, man, you know, you can come out and if you got a video camera, you could shoot the comedian sets, you know, and charge 20, 25 bucks and uh, mail them the DVDs. You know, this is back when we were doing that. And so um, I said, OK, yeah, man, absolutely. It was something that brought me into the industry to some extent. And um, I did that with him for about two years. I ended up producing a comedy special we sold on pay-per-view with starring Alonzo Bowden, who uh, I think he won the second season of uh, Last Comic Standing on uh, Comedy Central, or, or it might have been NBC, I can't remember what network it was on at that time, but in any case, that was my first like show that I produced, you know, on TV. And, um, I, you know, I would make, I don't know, anywhere between two to $300 shooting comics one night a week at the improv. He probably had like three shows a month. And then, you know, eventually a couple other producers saw me as well. So, you know, I got, I started getting to the point where I had four or five shows a month. At the, at the improv. So between my four or five shows a month at the improv and then my bathroom nights once a, once a week, I was hustling about, I don't know exactly, I'd say close to two grand a month just with those two things. And then if I closed one loan a month, which I didn't, but whenever I closed a loan, it was be, it'd be like four to five thousand. So I was kind of getting by, not, not, nothing that I could actually go and live on my own. I still really had to stay with my aunt and uncle till I created a more solid situation. But, um, I finally, <laughs> finally did, you know, I got, and I got, I got, I was going all around town. I bought this little cockroach of a car. It was like two, the paint job was so bad, like, it was like two-tone colors, brown and sky blue, it was a roach of a car, it really was, a little Toyota something, it might have been a Corolla, in any case, I think I bought it for about 700 bucks, and I, the car lasted me six to eight months, you know, but I was using it to drive all over town and try to meet other casting directors and see if they would take a chance on me um and that's what eventually 
happened, you know, casting us as a situation where, you know, you don't really need a degree or anything. A lot of people in casting, you know, are working in casting, you know, with just a high school education. But they knew somebody. Their neighbor's a producer. Um, their neighbor's a director. They're, 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 you know, it's all types of situations like that. The nepotism I was talking about. That's one way, the main way you get hired. The other way is, you know, some people are just so hard to work with. They burn through people. So they get desperate enough because they can't find anybody willing to work for them. They end up calling the new guy. And that was me. I got to be the new guy, you know. And, and once I got in, was right around the time we started posting auditions online and using computer software to capture the auditions and edit the auditions versus just hardware solutions like using a VHS tape recorder or a three-quarter inch. So that was running guys out of the business, the guys that weren't technical savvy enough to, to deal with that low-level IT work were suddenly afraid to do callbacks, afraid to, uh, you know, be stuck in a, in a studio editing all night on a computer. So I started getting calls, and I was, you know, I'm less than five years removed from college. I, you know, I was using the latest computer softwares and whatnot. This was easy for me. So I started being the guy everybody called around town for callbacks. I was working three nights, three days, excuse me, casting is a day thing, it's not a night job, that is one thing I will say I loved about casting, is like, almost every holiday you have off, not all of them, but most of them, all the big ones, you know, you might, somebody might call me to work on Dr. King Day, but like, for the most part, all your major holidays are off, all your Jewish holidays are off, your weekends are mostly off, and if they're not, they're like overtime pay, um, you know, there's no union protections for casting, so that's, that can make it rough, um, there was all types of abuse in the sense of like, you know, no lunch breaks, a lot of times, um, there's a lot of little problems with it, I, I won't get into all that, um, kind of, you know, everybody's a freelancer, so there's been a lot of abuse, I'll put it that way. But um, overall, it was a very good ex um, place f where production meets talent. And as the casting team, you're thrown in the middle of that. So you met people from all angles, you know, and um, that was very valuable. Very valuable position. Meeting producers, you know, people that I might be able to show some of my creative work. Meeting talent that might want to be in some of my creating work, creative work. So we would put together, I'd put together sizzles and, uh, you know, little productions here and there for people, test shoots, uh, doing all types of little stuff just to, you know, earn my stripes, pay my dues, hopefully, you know, you know, do my 10,000 hours and, and, and become somebody, get my shot, my opportunity someday. And that was pretty much the plan, you know, but 
eventually, like, three years in casting turns to five. Five years turns to ten. Ten years turn to fifteen. And fifteen turned to twenty. And what I found was, you know, I would get little chances at getting out of casting. Like, I did a lot of ghostwriting, a lot of script consulting. Um, I was working briefly with a company, Mark Morgan, the executive producer of uh, uh, Twilight series. I was working briefly at a company. Ownership had brought me in um, to greenlight scripts to tell them, hey, this is good, this is not good, this is good, this ain't good, you know, whatever. You know, um, so I worked with him for a while, but they were really weren't, you know, they weren't really motivated to, to work with me too much. I mean, like I said, I was brought in by ownership, you know, and they were really about using their current network. So I, you know, it's just as Hollywood, you know, the nepotism. Um, but I talked to Mark here and there. I haven't talked to him in a good year now but we'll, we'll, we'll talk online you know um and uh, he's a great guy but yeah I didn't it was a very short-lived experience for me at that company but um I did a lot of different you know assignments for all types of producers you know I worked with really big names in in in, in the producing world on um, uh, reality projects, especially reality projects, but films, TV, everything. And I worked with, you know, people right out of school. Hey, whoever could write me a check is basically, was my model for the most point, uh, for the most part, excuse me. Um, and that was my, that's my journey. You know, that was what I was doing. But it 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 doesn't translate that kind of resume if you try to leave casting you try to leave the industry it just didn't translate to like any other industry so like <laughs> i i had um thoughts of getting into other stuff all enti entirely always trying to find that steady job you know i worked about 10 days a month, which sounds cool, you know, that 10 days a month, you can, you can afford to live in LA, um, but I wasn't balling, you know, um, I was doing all right, you know, for, for stretches, but then sometimes I'd have stretches of like, you know, two weeks of no work, and, you know, come the third week, that can be like, Hmm. It, 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 it's kind of hard, haphazard to budget and plan how you're going to spend your money because you don't know when the next dollar is coming in. So I was always trying to look for a way to spread the, uh, you know, just make, create other opportunities. And that's what ended up really really the force that caused me to open up my career much more beyond just casting. Um, 
I had a lot of models that would ask me, do you shoot photography? And for like, you know, the first half of my career, pretty much, I would be like, uh, sorry, no, I don't, lady, sorry. And after a while, I started thinking, man, you know what? They're, in so many words, asking, can they pay me to shoot some photography? Well, maybe I need to start shooting photography. You know? So, I ended up starting to shoot photography. It took me a good year to two years to get confident enough to, like, start charging and um, doing it reg more regularly. But um, that's what I did, you know? I started doing that, and uh, it was a natural progression to... Like, I, I realized, okay, I'm shooting great photos, and I've got a lot of connections to other casting directors, producers. Maybe I could actually start managing talent, you know? So that's what I started doing, you know? And at first, I was managing everybody. I was managing all types of people, you know, for, you know, older women, little young young boys, I was doing everything. But the, the problem with that is you end up spending a lot of time looking at different breakdowns. That's not the way you want to do it. The riches are in the niches. And I realized quickly, well, not quickly, <laughs> I, will, I realized uh, that I needed to just pick one group to focus on. Um, and I was really into the whole acting, acting thing, you know, like everyone else, but I eventually realized, you know what, I like taking pictures of models. This is fun. And usually the jobs for models, they get picked just based off the pictures and picked off a, a look. You know, we don't have to watch a reel to decide, uh, you know, uh, is she right? You know, she can be 18, no experience, and just have the right look and for the job and, and be booked. And I was like, you know what, that's where I need, that's the lane I'm going to operate in right there, you know. And um, so that's kind of how that decision was made. Plus I had a lot of friend girls that were, um, you know, they, they were probably the most aggressive about wanting help. So that's the beginning of me really the, the infancy of acxmodels.com, you know, um, I didn't always have that site, but I've been going by ACX for years now, um, it, mostly ACX images, my photography, and mo most recently, I've started an online women's fashion store, acxlifestyle.com, so um, check that out as well some ways I have to thank the pandemic for the expansion of my career yet again. When the pandemic hit, it really dried up Hollywood, really dried up Hollywood. People didn't want to be risk being around each other. So it became a situation where I was like, man, I, I can't, I'm not getting any work at all. You know, this is what I'm going to do here. It was really tough, really tough. Been tough for a lot of uh, people all around the world, so I'm not unique in that sense. We are, we are all going through it together. Um, I just had to figure out how to pivot business-wise, 
So, years and years and years ago, I had got into uh, YouTube SEO. Probably like right when YouTube first came out, around 2005, 2006, I started doing some of that. Um, and as this pandemic kept dragging on, I started thinking, okay, I didn't want to at the time, but I, I got, I, I started thinking, let me, maybe I can get back into the whole YouTube SEO, you know, and so I got the itch, I started, like, researching, uh, studying, practicing, and getting consistent at ranking marketing videos at the top, you know, ranking them higher on YouTube search engine, and sometimes getting them ranked on you um, on Google search engine. So I was like, okay, here we go. I can, I can, I can, I can start uh, monetizing this service and helping businesses that need the help during this pandemic. And I started doing that. And as it turns out, you know, it's easier to sell one person multiple things than to find new clients. Because what, what starts happening is your, 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 your clients, they started asking me for more services. Hey, can you do this too? Can you build a website? Can you do that? Uh, can you create an ebook? You know, and I started, you know, first my answers were kind of like, no, I don't do that. No, I don't do that. Uh -uh, I don't do that. Um, it was, I wanted to stay in my lane, you know, but I, it just dawned on me, you know what, I'm going to have to just become better at more things because again, I've got people saying, Hey, can I pay you to do this for me? After a while, that becomes hard to turn, turn away, you know? So, um, that's what I did. I, I, and I've got acxmarketing.com as well. I, I rank YouTube videos. I do eBooks for people. Um, I can do um, like uh, 3D avatar videos, website SEO, create blogs, uh, create podcasts. I can do a lot of this stuff for your website SEO, um, really without any input from the business. I could do a lot of that stuff. There's probably some things I'm leaving out. I know it. But um, it was just my way of pivoting in this pandemic. And it has turned into uh, a wonderful pivot. Because it actually gives me some skills that I can do um, anywhere. You know, I can help a business in Hawaii. I can help a business in, in Mexico. I can help a business, you know, in pretty much anywhere in the world where they can afford to pay me, you know. <laughs> um, so so uh, that's another avenue that has opened up for me in the last year, I would say. So that's that. That's the ACX journey, how we got to where we are now. Okay, you guys can can spread the word about thecastingguy.com, the Casting Guy podcast. You know, I, I really hope that I can help a lot of people. I get so 
many questions about the industry. I write on Quora. You know, I don't know if anybody uses Quora.com. Actually, I know a lot of people use Quora.com. Um, I, I recently got some message from them that I'm in the top 10 red writers in the whole uh, on Quora community on the topic of modeling. So, you know, I got into Quora slowly. And now it's to the point where, like... I'm getting over 100, 200 questions a day where, you know, people ask, they can request for your answer in particular on certain questions. And I was just getting so many requests. I decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and uh, start answering some of these questions in a podcast because it's just easier and quicker for me to talk them out than for it is for me to write all of these out so that's what i'm gonna do in the next next episode here so hopefully you guys stay tuned you guys keep coming back i'm gonna i'm gonna you know figure out my format as we go but i have some sort of idea i think i'm gonna do like seven seven questions with with the casting guy and uh yeah yeah i think that's what i'm gonna do so <laughs> you guys stay tuned uh, for that. Come on back. And um, thank you guys for tuning in, all right? Peace and love to everybody, okay?